2003, our family was uh, gathered around our living room playing games. Our kids were much younger, and so uh, rain moved in, not so much a big deal. Sky grew dark, not so much a big deal. Lightning and thunder, and then the power went out. When you've got five little kids in your house and the power goes out, it becomes a big deal. You're right? You know what I'm talking about? And so shrieks and screams and all this stuff is starting up. And we're, Heather and I are like, wait a minute, calm down. It's all right. It's all right. And then pretty soon, you know, the Ovilla siren is going off, the big siren, you know, that means there is severe weather. You know, it's not at the time when we have all the elaborate weather maps on our phones that we have today, and so what little information I'm getting is that there's a very, very severe storm moving into the area, and the kids are just out of themselves already, and Heather and I are trying to not let them know just how serious the moment is. And so we try to make, you know, some things happen in the house. Well, let's, let's all sing together, you know, that'll be fun in the storm, that was the night, Brianna. You moved into the piano, and we played some songs and sang a little bit, and we're praying, and we're trying to comfort them, and we're trying to, you know, go through this whole routine of, well, let's count when we see the lightning and then the thunder, see how far, you know, the distance is. We can, we can see that the storm is moving away from us, and, and it's not. It's moving closer to us. You know, it doesn't take as long to count, and it, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, a tense moment for a while in the house. There's still no electricity, and it's getting hot, and all this is going on. It's a funny thing that happens in storms, though. What seems like sensible and logical all of a sudden is no longer. There's panic, there's confusion, there's disarray, and there's the thought that this is going to be it. This is going to be the worst, and this is going to be bad for us. It happens that way in the storms of life as well. Storms move in unanticipated. You didn't count on it. You didn't plan for it. You were doing your normal thing, and all of a sudden, something was upon you that was bigger than what you had planned for, bigger than what you thought. And if you're not careful in the moment, you can be filled with panic. I know because I'm that guy who panics. I'm that guy who kind of loses all sense of control in the moment. I know what it's like. But with some words of encouragement to our children, with some reminders, with praying, with singing, we made it through the storm. And our children today refer to that night as what? Isn't that crazy? That night is still stuck in their minds, and they've labeled it the Tuesday night storm. Now, what's funny is over the years, they begin to attach other things to that event that didn't really happen, <laughs> you know? And so they make it bigger than what it really was. I thought, you know, that happens in life sometimes if we're not careful. A storm rolls in, something we hadn't counted on, something that actually cost us. And if we're not careful, we label it as something horrific, tragic, that altered our lives for the worst. When instead we find in Scripture 
that those who know God through Jesus Christ are held in his arms, our lives are under his sovereign control, and that he will even use storms to direct us, teach us, and calm us, but never to destroy us. Amen? We've been looking at this for a couple of weeks, and we began with a passage of Scripture that really kind of solidifies this idea. From Romans chapter 5, it says, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the war has been removed. The conflict is over. It is finished. And through Jesus Christ, we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He is working and He will use storms. He will use blessing. He will use every circumstance to help us see more of His glory. But He goes on in that same passage and says, and not only that, we also glory in tribulations. We find a strange fascination with the storm. We don't have to run from it. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to panic in it. We can actually glory in it. Here's what he says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We can have joy in the midst of the storm. We don't have to fear it. We can actually be storm chasers. So here's kind of our big point today I want to make as we start. And then we're going to build on this. Check out this this truth on screen here. Storm chasers deepen their trust in God's promises, learn His ways, and afterward receive His reward. It's a process, and it works just like that. If you're going to be a storm chaser, then it means in the midst of the storm, you hunker down in the storm. You recognize there could be loss in this. There could be pain in this, but I will deepen my trust, not run from my trust in God. I will learn His ways in the midst of it, not undo his ways in the midst of it so that afterward I might receive his reward. One passage of scripture and then a real life story for us today. You know, last week we were sitting here about this time. The only thing that was different about this or last week is we didn't have any electricity here in this building last week. And so it's starting to get a little warm, you know, about this time. It's dark in here, but our people ran to the rescue. And pretty soon we had generators going outside. We had lights up in here. The band comes up, and they're playing acoustic, and there's a beautiful spirit of worship in the room. God was giving us a living example of what it means to survive the storm and worship in the midst of it. And we looked at these verses. I want to I show them one more time. Then I want to tell you a story today. Here's the verses It says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, in other words, after you came to know Christ, you endured a great struggle with suffering, 
It's written in the book of Hebrews. It's a reference back to the believers after they had uh, experienced the coming of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, and they're struggling, they're suffering, and Stephen's been stoned, and those who are, who are believers are finding their things taken from them. They're finding them persecution. They're finding themselves imprisoned, and the writer here in Hebrews says, I want you to remember the former days. I want you to think back on that time when you first came to know who God was through Christ, and you endured a great struggle with sufferings. He goes on in the, in the passage and says this, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Now, doesn't that sound foreign in our day? Nobody has their goods plundered today. In other words, no one suffers the loss of all their stuff and says, "Woo, thank you, God. Right? Most of us want to find out who we get to call the lawyer on. Hello? Oh, too close to home? What? Can you relate what I'm talking about here? We don't like to lose some stuff today, right? We want to get on to somebody, make them pay, make them give back. And so he says here, you, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. He goes on in that same passage, says this, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. In the midst of your storm, don't panic. In the midst of your troubles, don't get disillusioned. In the midst of your storm, don't think God has left you. Here's what he finishes up with. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You see, God does bring storms into our life. It's not because he's angry at us. It's not because he's trying to make us pay for all that sin in the past, because that's what he uses to shape us into the very image of Jesus Christ. And sometimes you have to go through the storm and it lingers on and on. It's longer than a Tuesday night. It's longer than a week. It's longer than a month. It's longer than three years. It's longer than a decade. And you think, God, when is this going to be over? And he says in this passage, you, you have need of endurance. You see, the promise is there. But if you don't have some endurance, you'll crater in the middle of it. You'll fall down in the midst of it. You'll go back to your sin in the midst of it. You'll give up on your hope in Christ in the midst of it. You'll walk away in the midst of it. And he says, if you would endure, if you'd stay in it, then you'll receive the promise, the promise will come if you will endure. Now, I want to tell you a story and introduce you to somebody to help us illustrate our point today. In our Storm Chaser series, we've been doing this uh, live interview process, and we're going to continue that. There's some great stories ahead even for us here at Vertical Church, and today will be good as well. Thank you, Caleb. So uh, I've already introduced him to you once, but let me introduce to you again Matt Gray. Matt, come up and join me on stage here. He's got the microphone with him. Good. Come on up and have a seat. Matt's our new ministry leader and uh, on staff here for about three or four weeks. I'm going to sit down. We're going to relax here a little bit, and we're going to talk, okay? So let me have Matt tell something about his life, and, uh, and we'll get to the storm application here in just a moment. Everybody good with that? So Matt, tell us about... Uh, growing up and how you came to Christ. Okay. So, um, you know, I, how I always start this is my mother, she was a woman of God, and she, you know, God, uh, God blessed my family with that. So we were raised in a church home, and we always were um, 
made to go to church every Sunday, even if we didn't want to. But um, so that doesn't mean I started living for Christ right away. And so it was about my um, sophomore year going to my junior year in high school. And um, my friends invited me to a church camp. And, you know, I always went to church camp, so, because they're fun, as I'll get out. And so <laughs> I, I decided to go. And I remember, you know, having a great weekend. The message is great. The worship was amazing. Just like, you know, the church camp feel. If you all have ever been to a church camp, you know how awesome it is. And, you know, God moves and you see everyone coming to Christ. So it's, it's amazing. So um, it was just another church camp and stuff. And I remember every church camp, I would always go, you know, they would do an altar call. You know, if you want to, you know, if you want to confess sins to Christ, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to do anything, come to the altar. And we always did that as students. And so I remember I was going up to the altar. You know, I was going to pray, God, I'm going to stop doing this, stop doing this. And because that's what I did at every church camp. And I would say, God, I'm going to stop doing this sin. I'm going to stop doing this sin. I'm going to start reading my Bible more. I'm going to start praying more. And I did that at every church camp, and when I got back, it never worked. Never. I would always fall back into this sin, and I would never get in my word. Um, so at this church camp, I just, you know, I just went up to the altar, and I felt guilty of my sin. And I wanted to confess it, and I remember being at that altar, and, you know, I was going to say, God, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop, and only the words I could think of is, God, I can't, and at that point, I remember just being at the altar on my hands and knees saying, God, I can't. I can't stop sinning. I can't stop doing this. I can't stop. I can't get in my word more. I can't pray, God, because I, I just can't, because I will fail every single time. And that's when I realized, you know, when I can't, that's when God can. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that day, I fully surrendered my life to Christ, and I didn't know what I was getting in, and so I just, you know, just gave my life to Christ that day and just, you know, wow. see what happens from there. Nice. So this is your junior year yes. in high school? junior in high school. Okay. So you come back, <clears throat> and it's your senior year. Oh, wait, no, sophomore going into junior, so sophomore it's my junior, junior year. Okay. Yeah. So you come back into junior year, and then during this time, God's working at another level as well. Mm -hmm. he is, uh, he's going to call you into ministry. Right. There's your spoiler alert. So, <laughs> Good thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So talk about that, how that all came about. Right. So... Um, you know, I just, I, when I came back, I, when I came back from the church camp, I didn't know what I was doing. So I found myself at church every day because I found a youth pastor who invested in me, saw that I was willing to learn and willing to, you know, live for Christ and grow. And so he took me in as like my mentor and, you know, he helped me step by step, you know, grow closer to Christ, get in my word more. And so I found myself every day at church. Um, and so, you know, my junior year, um, I just, you know, kept being obedient to God, you know, saying no to go hang out with my friends that were, you know, in the, in the sin and, you know, excluding myself from that crowd and, you know, facing the trials of loneliness and all that stuff with my youth pastor. And so through that, I, um, I was, you know, I was a basketball um, player at the time, my junior and senior year, and basketball was my life, and I loved basketball. I, um, I played for uh, 6A Permian High School, so it was the real deal, and so I remember going into my senior year, um, the, you know, you know, God, I realized something, like, through basketball, I wasn't honoring God. 
you know, sports is a great ministry field. If you do sports correctly, people can see Christ like that. But I wasn't doing it. I was living in sin through basketball. I, you know, I was making basketball my idol. And so I realized, you know, God put on my heart, you know, me or basketball. And, you know, it was my, you know, my varsity year, my senior year. I was very excited because I was going to be a starting point guard and all that. And just felt God, you know, say, you know what, I choose God. And so through that, um, just, you know, my youth pastor asked the question, hey, what do you know? What do you think about ministry? I never knew ministry was a job, you know, because, you know, I never, I never thought about it. I was like, hey, that sounds pretty cool. And so, you know, through the, my senior year, I just, you know, just prayed about it. And I realized that, you know, I, may, I wasn't skilled at really speaking or preaching or anything at, about that. I was skilled at math. And so that's not ministry at all. But I was skilled at math. And so my passion, though, was, you know, only ministry. Like through prayer, I realized my only passion was ministry, just preaching God's word. It just, you know, that's all I cared about. And so, you know, I, you know, through the next year, I decided, you know, God wants me to do ministry. And so yeah. I got called to ministry that, that way. So understand this. <clears throat> He's telling the story today not to glorify himself. I ask him to tell the basketball story. Usually when we've, when we've met and I've introduced some other folks, it's like, tell the basketball story. And so he's not saying that today to glorify anything he's done. It's something God put on his heart, and he chose it. Not that there's anything wrong with basketball. I, I know right. you're saying, uh, you're not saying that. But it was something for him that he surrendered to God. So in the midst of all this, Matt, um, talk about your parents' response. Because you're a math guy, yeah. you're an engineer, you know, direction, you're at, you know, Permian High School. Yeah. 6A, you've got all these opportunities in front of you. Talk about your parents' response to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to go into ministry. Right. So, um, you know, I graduated number, number, not glorifying myself, of course, but I graduated number 30 out of like 800 students. So I had a lot of scholarship opportunities um, because, you know, I love math. And what I was going to do was mechanical engineering because that brings home the big bucks. And so, you know, my parents were all for it. You know, because, you know, I, I had the brains, um, and so, you know, it's going to make money and be successful in that. And so when I, you know, got called to ministry, I told them about it. My mom was a little bit more for, for it, but my dad, you know, a little iffy and stuff because, you know, they want me to use my, my skills, right, to bring home money and stuff, but it wasn't my passion. And so, you know, at first they weren't, they weren't all for it. And um, you want me to tell them about yeah. the storm yep. that we went through? And yep. so um, through the year, it's kind of tough, you know, like deciding ministry full time or, you know, go get a bachelor's degree in something that will make money. So I have something to fall back on. And so through that year, um, my dad actually went through a phase. Um, he got diagnosed with um, diabetes, but we caught it very, very late. My dad was about um, 200, I think, 20 to 40 pounds, and we took him to the hospital. Um, we thought he was just fat, but it was, <laughs> it was apparently swelling. And so mm. he got this procedure done. Um, it took him from 240 to 140. And so that's how much swelling he had in his body. So he weighed less than me. Um, so, um, you know, and we, we were talking about it, and they said if we brought, it, brought him in a little bit later, like, he would have died. Like two weeks later, my dad would have died. And, um, you know, 
through that trial, I got to see my family come closer together and depend more and more on Christ. At the time, it was tough, and we, you know, we were hurting and stuff, but we, but, you know, you look around the room, we're closer than ever and praying together, and so it was very encouraging, but now through that trial, since we grew closer to Christ, now, you know, when I got this job, my dad called me, and he said, you know, my ministry now is your ministry. You know, I want to fund your ministry. I, me and your mother are prayer warriors for you. Like, they're like, go do ministry. He's like, my selfish self wants you to come home, but, you know, that's not God's will for your life. God's will for you li- your life is go preach the word. So it's very encouraging to see God move through my family's life through a storm like that's that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, after graduating from high school, you came to Fort Worth, yeah. enrolled at the college that's at the seminary there. And so you started work there. And then uh, you actually found yourself doing ministry near here. So talk mm-hmm. about that for just a moment, where you were before we met. Yeah. So, um, you know... When I came down to college, my youth pastor had some connections over here in Cedar Hill, Texas, and he helped me find an internship at um, Hillcrest Baptist Church in Cedar Hill, Texas. And so right when I got into college, I started serving as an intern, and it started off, um, you, know, you know, getting to know, know the students and hanging out, but it got to the point of being able to preach the word to the students, and it was just an exciting experience, and it was crazy to see Um, God move in different ways than I was used to because, you know, back in my hometown, my youth group, we were about, you know, just like this youth group here, we're about a students, about 20 to 30 students. And, you know, when I came to Christ, we got the new youth pastor. um, We saw our youth ministry grow from 20 to about, you know, 400 in a year. And so it was crazy how fast God moved. Um, So how that worked, you know, God taught me, you know, is, you know, we didn't depend, we had discipleship and fellowship in our schools because we only had two high schools. So we saw each other every day, right? And so, and then Wednesday nights we would come together, hear a message, and you know, and that's it. And it was awesome, and God moved in big ways. But when I got here to Cedar Hill, you know, it's kind of the situation here at Vertical. We got people, you know, coming from Cedar Hill, Texas, Waxahachie, Fort Worth, Arlington. All these different schools, you know, you got homeschooled, you got 6A, you got 3A, private school, all different types. And so working at this internship, I got to realize, you know, hey, the strategy I used in my youth ministry back at home doesn't work. And so, you know, we, you know, I got to learn, you know, small groups works a lot. You know, they got to depend, students have to depend on Wednesday nights as their fellowship, as their hangout. And so you got to invest more in the students, and you got to invest more in each other and stuff. And so it was a very great learning experience at this internship. All right. Cool. So let me, let me kind of draw all this together, because you're probably wondering, where's the big storm story? The big storm story isn't necessarily in Matt's life. It was actually in our life here at Vertical Church. So for a little over a year, we've been in this journey of praying for a new student ministry leader. And I can't tell you the hundreds of resumes that our team searched through. I mean, that just gets blinding after a while. You read all, this, all these resumes, and you're looking for and you're praying for the right one. And, and so here was the process that happened to us on multiple occasions. Big pile of resumes, narrow down to small pile of resumes, pray through it, let's interview. This one seems good. Let's bring him in. 
Yes, he looks good. Bring him in. No, that's not the guy. Right? Okay, start over. Okay, we got this. All right, Lord. Here we go. We, we kind of put together our list. of. We're looking for this, 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 and this. We're looking for this kind of marital status, this kind of education, this kind of experience. Here we go. Resumes on the table. Those resumes off the table. These resumes, let's keep. Let's call them. Yes. Let's bring them in. Yes. He comes in and he says, no. What? All right. Third time. Let's do this again. I can't. It, was, it began to be so confusing. We must have gone through that process six, eight times, and months are clicking by. And I'm thinking about students in our area. I'm thinking about our church that are in need of this person to come in. And have you ever been in a moment like that where you're looking for God's will, and you've prayed, and you've waited, and you thought, this is going to be it, and it's not? You know what I'm talking about? You're waiting for that answer to the prayer. You're waiting for that situation to be resolved. You're waiting for that storm to pass. And you think, this is going to be it. But it wasn't. That went on and on and on. I I went out to uh, DBU, met with some of the, the faculty out there. And they said, we've got some young men that we'd be glad to put you in touch with. So I get in touch with one of them. We interview them. Loving. Him and his wife. Awesome. They kind of fit everything we've talked about. You know, marital status, education, experience, age, all of this. It's kind of like all lining up. Interview goes great. Calls the next day. He says, hey, um, my wife and I have accepted another position in Houston. Kidding me. It was just in the storm. When it just keeps coming, wave after wave, it's easy to start questioning some things, right? To wonder, okay, God, have you left us on this thing? Where are you? And soon our team was beginning to struggle with this as a group. We were saying, do one of us need to rotate off this thing? Is there something we're causing? Is one of us the wrong one? You know, what's happening here? And it it gets like that in the storm. And you start labeling it the Tuesday night storm. You do things like that. We're never going to get past this moment kind of thing. Well, the last guy, I I had this conversation with God. I said, okay, God, you don't bring anything into our lives that is not by design. Even the losses even the heartaches. So God, I'm going to trust you this time. I'm going to believe that that's true. So I called that guy back who told us no. I said, um, I have to believe that you came into our life for a purpose. Is there somebody that you know that you would recommend? Just, I'm just trusting that God brought you to us for a reason. He said, you know, I actually do. I've got this guy named Matt that I've been working with for some time. Matt wasn't looking for us, but we called Matt. And here's the next part. We look at this resume. It doesn't have any of the things that we were looking for. We were looking for married. He's not. 
We were looking for degrees. He doesn't have them. We were looking for experience, lots of it. He doesn't have it. And so, actually, most of our team that night, we stand on the table and I pass the resumes out. They're like, well, this will be quick. Wait a minute, let's at least just see. So, he came in and we said, are you one of the students? No, no. <laughs> he came in, sat down. We asked him some questions, and he told much of the same story. Here were the few other parts that we asked him. And he got up and left, and we all went, oh, my word. God, this is the guy. This is the guy. And it wasn't because he fit everything on our list in fact, we, we all tried to find the way to say, you know, what it is, he, he's got, he, he's got, no, what it is, it's, we don't even know how to describe it. In fact, it became known as this, he's just got it. <laughs> he just got the it factor, it's just, that's what it, we've been looking for, the it. And it, all of us were that way. And so, like, well, Let's just pray about it. Maybe we are, we are all crazy or something, but we prayed about it. I called him the next day with much fear that he was going to tell me, well, I've taken another position, but he didn't. And our team was all in, and we began the process that has led us to this spot today. And uh, I, I was talking with uh, Jimmy Case, who's part of, our, part of that team, and we were going back and forth like, well, what do, we, what do we learn from this? And, and Brian, what are you going to tell the church about a 20-year-old being our student ministry leader? So waited, prayed, and then God brought to mind a very specific passage from the Old Testament. It's about a time when God was going to put a new king in place. And Samuel was given the responsibility to go find the king. And so Samuel goes and he goes to Bethlehem and he prepares and he makes it known. And God tells him which family to ask. And he calls for the, the family where the, the dad's name is Jesse. Jesse, bring your sons. I want to see them all. And I'm sure Samuel had in his mind this list of requirements, you know, He'll be this tall, he'll be this strong, he'll have this many military accomplishments, he'll have this much education. He probably thought some of that. And the story goes on in Scripture that this dad began to bring his sons in. And I'm sure the dad was thinking, all right, here's my firstborn. You know, he brings them in and ha ha, you know. And Samuel said, no, not it. Okay, well, let's try the next one. Okay, get him in here. Look, 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 he, he's very, very intelligent. No, let's bring another one. And the scripture says that he brought them in one at a time until Samuel said, none of these are the one. But God had been very specific about it, it would come from this family. And Samuel said, is there someone else? He said, well, I mean, <laughs> we've got this one son. He's really young. And he's out, on, you know, he's out in the field right now. He, he, he works with sheep all day. You know, uh, I don't know if that's what you're looking for. And Samuel said, 
bring him to me. And the scripture says that when Samuel saw him, he said, this is it. He's got the it. He said, this is the Lord's anointed. And it was through the storm that God taught our team and our staff some lessons. It's not always what you think it's going to be. It's what God says is going to be. And just like our passage that we began with, you have need of endurance when you're in the storm so that you will walk in my ways and after you have obeyed, then you will receive the promise. So God was using our storm to cause us to see the whole thing differently. God was using every bit of it. And it just reminds me that God uses storms in our lives sometimes to cause us to see life differently and see Him differently and even adjust our ways so that we say, not my will, but your will be done. So that we'll learn and walk in His ways and afterwards, as the passage said, receive the promise. So there's our storm story for today. Now what I'd like to do in closing our service today is this. I'd like to pray for Matt. God's brought him here. We're confident of that. And I know God's going to use him. He's already begun the process. But as a church, I want us to come together and pray for God to help us make a difference in this generation. Amen? When you watch the news today, does your heart not break for students in their schools? Does your heart not break for the culture that they're growing up in? Aren't you grateful you're not a teenager? That ought to drive us to get to know our teenagers and reach some teenagers. They need help. They need hope. And I don't want us to be the church that says of them, those crazy millennials, you know, we, we can call them, we can label them, do whatever we want, but our goal is to label them as Jesus labeled them, a harvest that's ready. And I want us to be the church that reaches them. I don't want to be the church that is down on everything that's a part of their lives. I know social media is not for everybody, but if that's the way you reach a generation today, I'm going to use it as a tool and redeem it for God's purposes and use it. Amen? We're going to use the tools that God has given and placed in this culture to reach a generation today, and we're going to be passionate about it, and we're going to all be together on it. Amen? I can't wait to see this room filled with teenagers on Wednesday nights, students who are seeking the Lord. Students who are wondering, what do I do about this situation? Where do I go for hope? Vertical Church is called to be that place and that answer. Amen? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Let me tell you, after our service today, uh, I'd love for you, if you're a student, to stay. If you're a parent, to stay. If you just want to get to know Matt more and hear more about what's ahead for us here at Vertical Church, our student ministry, stay. We've ordered a bunch of pizza. 
All right, and we've got drinks, so you don't have to leave. You can stay here and eat some pizza and some drinks. And uh, we're going to bring Matt back up here, and I've got some other fun questions for him, and some and some ones that'll help us know more about what's ahead for students in the ministry here in this place. So let's do this, Matt. Why don't you, why don't you stand down here and let's bring students to come stand around Matt. If you're a student, whether you're active here at Vertical Church or not, come stand near Matt right up here. Come on, students. Middle school, high school, y'all come stand. This is a generation that God's going to use. This is a generation that God's working in. We're not going to overlook them. We're not going to reject them. We're going to help them see how Christ calls them in this age, this age that they are, and propel them into the next generation as warriors for Christ. Amen? So let me have this. If you're a parent of students, would you come stand down here as well? Come stand as a way of support, and we're going to pray for you as well. Parents, you come stand. And Matt, let's put you out a little bit further out there. And students, y'all gather around, make a circle, and kind of suffocate him a little bit. There you go. Parents, y'all gather around them. If you just want to come and stand as a show of support and pray, you do that as well at this time. Come stand. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for God's blessing. We're going to pray for God's anointing on Matt and on this ministry. Amen. Would you all stand with us this morning as we pray? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that in your will and in your sovereignty and in your